0: Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. You're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy
1: Live. Welcome everyone. Live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live. My name is Ellen and my co-hosts today are Caitlin, Simone and Talia. And our special guest today is Enza Angelucci, founder of Angelucci Architects. Hi, Enza. Welcome to the show. Hi, Owen. How are you? Good, thank you. So today our first question is, why did you choose to go into architecture?
0: That's a great question. Um, it's, it was an event not dissimilar to this, but it was in the auditorium.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And an ex-alumni came and presented to the um, year 11s at the time. And she was studying architecture at um, RMIT. Mm-hmm. And it was her enthusiasm that captured my imagination. And then um, as a child, my parents were going to move from um, West Brunswick into the eastern suburbs. So I had this experience of constantly, every weekend, jumping in the car of mum and dad and seeing houses. And I think those two sort of triggered. I liked the idea also of a career that was based on science, maths and the arts. And I couldn't think of anything else that was a culmination of those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hi, I'm Simone. What was the journey you took to become a prominent architect with your own business? Um, Well, that was obviously part of the interest. Mm. But post that, um, I applied originally for environmental science, which was an interesting – it was more I was thinking of the sciences rather than the arts. And I decided to go overseas. I took – I deferred for a while, for a semester, and I went overseas, and I think seeing the architecture in Europe captured my imagination, in particular the architect Antonio Gaudi in Barcelona, Um, and seeing how that inspired the people. Um, There was another architect called Carlo Scarpa in Italy, um, Castello Vecchio in Verona, and when I came back, I decided to apply. Now, I didn't get in straight away, but I decided I didn't get in that first year of application, At RMIT, but I decided to um, enter into a drafting course. So I thought if I don't enjoy the basics of this career, Mm. then it's not worth pursuing. So I did a drafting course at Box Hill TAFE for a year and didn't mind. In those days, it was drafting by hand, by the way. It was a piece of trace Mm -hmm. paper and slowly drawing lines. And there was something very soothing and methodical about it um, and learning the fundamentals of building as well. So then I applied again for architecture and I didn't get in, which was interesting. And then I applied a third time and got in. So that was the initial educational journey. Um, then uh, obviously did the five years. So architecture is a five-year professional course. In those days it was a Bachelor of Architecture. Now it's a Master's of Architecture. Mm-hmm. And following on from that, got a job with um, professor, adjunct professor Norman Day. and worked there for 10 years. The types of buildings we um, dealt with in that environment was um, residential and educational. And that's part of what my practice is today. So he was a great mentor. We worked on the RMIT campus in Vietnam, so we got to work overseas. And you realise the privilege of being an architect. You get to meet people every day. Your career is actually extraordinarily diverse. So you learn people skills, you learn... um, construction. You've got lots of different hats. It's great. You get to work with the boys and you get to work with professional people, um, legislators, etc. And following on from that, I started my practice full time. I always practice part time. Um, In a practice, sometimes you don't get to really design and it was something that I always enjoyed. Um, So I did small residential on the side and it came to a point where I was in my late 30s And I thought if I don't start my own practice now, I won't. So I did.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, My name's Talia. What was your favourite building to design or construct? That's a great question because a favourite
0: building belongs not only to us as a practice, but it actually belongs to the clients. Um, And for us, it's about what it gives back. So it's not just about, it's very interesting. So architecture has this tradition of the heroic architect. It's all about the one person. Well, I actually say it takes about 100 people to build a building. (laughs) Um, And so for me, as a practitioner and and as an employer, we do some really small-scale jobs. At the moment we're doing some work for um, Carlton Cemetery, very small-scale and large-scale. But it's the ones that, the projects that give most to communities and, yeah. and there's some sort of reward. So our residential projects we definitely enjoy, um, particularly in these local areas where they're very tight sites and they're quite, you've got to use your brain and creativity yeah. to make them work. But it's about livability. So I did a postgraduate, professional postgraduate a master's at RMIT um, and the topic is um, urban generosity. So, how can architecture create livable spaces that give back to our community? I also teach at RMIT, architecture, and that's a course. Some, that's a coursework we teach. So, it's not specific to a building. It's we we design educational projects. We're currently doing one for a special developmental school, um, and the principal there is the bomb. She's astronomical. She has a really Interesting, she's done a post-grad in um, special developmental schools and so therefore she's teaching us how to design those environments. So it's, I don't know, it's not specific to anything in particular.
1: Mm. Yeah. Um, how has your education in a Mercy School influenced your life?
0: Oh, that's a great question.
1: <laughs> I think fundamentally,
0: and this is going to sound terrible because we do need to s- shift this gender paradigm, it's important, but... Being in an all-female environment was empowering, extraordinarily empowering, because I never realised that there was nothing I could do. Because in an all-girls school, you've got to do everything, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, which is slightly problematic because you get out my first real male experience. I had a, an older sister, so my first real male experience was um uni, and I was a little bit shocked, if not gobsmacked, and still am. Um, and then in that time, obviously the professions were male-dominated. Um, we had two studios in the 90s. Um, the economy was very down and so there were lots of spaces in the city as students that we could hire and we shared these spaces. Um, yeah, and they were all female and then I worked in a more female office and I have a predominantly female office. So I, for me it's a very female environment architecture and what was interesting is my daughter when she was little, she's about five or six, I introduced her to a male architect and she said, Mum, I didn't realise that you could have male architects. <laughs> so um, yeah. So it's um I think this female environment, which is extraordinarily empowering, um, your cohort and your colleagues will always support you in your ideas. Um, and you never get told you can't do something. And that's important. So, if anyone ever tells you you can't do something, make sure you do it to prove yourself and them wrong.
1: Yeah. Um. My name's Caitlin. Uh, how has the work that you've done in your, uh, your field inspired other women? Um.
0: Uh, good question. I, I, for me, I, I. So, my senior architects were, when I worked at Norman Days, they were undergrads. Um. In the office and now it's ten years between working together that they're working with me and we're working together again they've worked in very large corporation corporate corporate architectural practices and they thank me all the time for the office environment that we have now I have no other idea because I've always been relatively small practices and I'm always surprised that they want to work with me Um, so For me, it's empowering women um, in the workforce. We have flexible hours. um, You know, we're in our 40s and 50s, so we all have children and other commitments. Um, So I ensure that they – nothing – architecture can't be stressful. Architecture is about passion and about joy and about giving – and therefore you receive all those other rewards. Um, so it's making sure that they are in a nurtured environment and that then, and we do have males in the office, by the way. <laughs> I know it sounds like we don't, but we do. Um, and they seem to enjoy it as well. So for me, it's a family. It's 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 very much who I am um, and what we do. And, yeah, that's... So I'm hoping that we change the culture through a positive nurturing. It's had a shocking um, 20th century condition where it was very much about the hero and, you know, being downtrodden. And I think that's part of the 20th century and apologies to you all as a, a young generation because you don't need to inherit that. That's really – it's it's just a no. So I'm hoping we can sh- shift that culture.
1: Yeah. Who are the women who have inspired you in your life? Wow.
0: Ah, uh, many.
1: Um, <laughs> and I
0: know it's a bit cliche but certainly my – mother she um um she was a free spirit and she wore rose-colored glasses and i don't recall one day that she ever said anything bad about anybody and that's inspirational because she saw the good in all and i think that's something we take in um our professional career um day-to-day being it's and anyone who was different, she celebrated. She really wanted to know who they were. She wasn't scared of life at all. And I think being fearless and um, resilient are the two greatest qualities to take on on your journey as a person, irrespective of gender.
1: Mm. Yeah, um, following that question, uh, is there any values that you took or uh, like seen from her uh, that you incorporated into your own life and career? Um,
0: Not to judge. Um, It was interesting. In tertiary I was told to judge and you need to judge as an architect, I get that, but um, at face value not to judge. Everyone has inherent qualities and everyone has a lesson to teach you and um, that's one thing in architecture, you can never get it right. You're always on a constant journey of learning Um, and I I always think if you get to a point where you think you've you've nailed it then you need to move on from that point so in architecture I know that um, I'll never ever I'll always strive to be better so that's an um,
1: yeah yeah so Ian how you how you said uh, architecture is always a journey um can you tell us about your work in Papua New Guinea and what inspired you to do that
0: absolutely and also this goes back to the previous question. She's also another inspirational woman. So Sister Margaret Ryan, one day, we have. I've, my office is a shop front and I do that. I have had two shop fronts and the reason is that is I want the practice to be part of the community and it allows people to walk in the door. So, you know, you don't know how to get to a lawyer, you don't know how to get to an architect or a doctor. It's always behind a series of closed doors. Ours is shop front, community walks in and we share that opportunity so we're very much part of the community. And this lovely woman walks in, the neatest little bun. She walks in and she says to me, "I've got these drawings, and I'm hoping I just need a few little things changed. Can you help me?" And I saw her cross, as we know the sisters have their. Yeah. Yep. Mm. And I went, "I know who you are," and I was more than delighted to help. Um, now, what an amazing woman she's. She was a nurse, so part of the Sisters Order of Mercy, she's a, she was a nurse. So in the 70s, she worked in PNG and the work she's doing there is amazing. One of the things about PNG culturally is she explained that um, it's a, a patriarchal society and women have no voice and no place and still don't. So she decided that on her retirement she would go back and start a grassroots movement, which is very clever in that environment in the Western Highlands, where she would um, build cookhouses for the women to gather and to learn skills. Skills that will allow them to have an economy where they can work and make money and therefore impart knowledge onto their daughters, their sons, and shift the community at large. What she found as a nurse were women were dying at childbirth. With simple conditions that should now not be prevalent in that community, but because they have no voice and they have no opportunity um, there's you know they they've got terrible health and she realized it's through a simple little building now I couldn't understand this as an architect she taught me immensely that the symbolism of a building for women in a community gives them a voice it gives them a place to meet. It gives them a place to do things. It gives them a place to learn. And it's unimaginable, isn't it, as a girl? Imagine not having that opportunity to learn. And so um I'm... that's our work there, and it's ongoing. It's all charity based. Um, so, and sister, I can't say no to sister Margaret. You know how you can't say no to your teachers. I can't <laughs> say no. And so, so, that's and so she's flown us over there. We're going back in October. It was an extraordinary experience. I had my star architect moment. Now the buildings are simply a little shed. It's not more than a little shed, mm-hmm. and they're developing as we're we're up to our fourth. We've, that's being built and completed at the moment. Um, And we're going to, we've had a hiatus, obviously, because of COVID. We couldn't um, um, fund charity and fundraise. Um, But we're going there in October to see the fourth one. The communities come out. It's one of the most extraordinary events of my life. Three or four communities all dressed up in traditional outfits. The women are dancing. These buildings are extraordinarily decorated with fruits and vegetables. But what I didn't realise is, not dissimilar to what we've done here in Western societies, they've, they're, um, they've deforested most of their um, forests. So they have lots of um, economic downfall due to climate change, um, large investments, there's big mines in the areas. So we need to – and their dietary um, conditions are really poor. And I hadn't never – given Western highlands are so rich of um, – they can grow anything but they don't know how to. So the educational base is – so these cook houses, that's what we call them, um, are becoming community centres and so there's a lot of richness that's going to move forward, we hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so it's been rewarding. I didn't think architecture would do that for me. Mm-hmm. But, um, and we're hoping that we can develop this educational and bring architects over in the future so that they can help build and learn the vernacular as well. That's, so at the moment they're a bit of a Western shed, but we're hoping to bring in the traditional vernacular in the future so that the women can build and the men can build and it becomes part of the community. It is poor. I don't think anyone realises how poor. We walked into one of the schools and... Um, so we're, that, And we saw the schools and I took some photos and showed my children and said, look, they've got no floorboards, it's all on dirt. And I asked the community what did they need and they were saying, look, some whiteboards would be great. So the kids, my children and my staff's children um, raised funds to um, buy some whiteboards, which were only a couple hundred dollars, but the huge impact it had on that school community. And it takes hours to get to these communities. They're so remote. Mm. So yeah, architecture can give you an amazing experience that you'd never contemplated.
1: Yeah. Um, has the coronavirus affected your
0: work in any other ways? Yeah, there's been good things and bad things. So the the bad thing was obviously clients. It's a financial thing that's part of business. Cash flow is always, um, you know, that's my biggest critical element. Um, but the good thing was we learnt to work remotely. Um, mm-hmm. In a way that we had never anticipated, and I think that's a global thing. And you're obviously aware of it, and you are the, you know, you're the foundation of that um, opportunity in life. Um, so that means that the op- we're now going to try and expand in um, opening a practice in Europe, and we've started, and we can do that now because we all have that skill base. So that's been the great thing about COVID. Mm. So it's a, a foundation thing. Um, more so than a financial thing. Are there any changes to the field of architecture that you would wish happen? Like, Yes. We've obviously got a big problem and our problem is um, we can't build enough structure for people. So when I teach, I always say to students, we don't teach um, – we don't design for cars. Because I think it's a big problem. I can't understand how there's cars that are housed, but there are people that aren't. That makes no sense to me. I still can't understand it. So um, I think we need, we've obviously got a, um, we've got a, a material shortage and a labour shortage. So we need to think of new ways of building our traditional ways have worked, but our population is expand, and it's going to, it's exponential. We get that the more we are, the more we're going to grow. So we need to find new ways. Part of the practice that we have, um, we work with off-site manufacturing, so prefabricator. We've delivered lots of schools in prefabrication. So there's, and this is a synergy. There's lots of um, wonderful um, young men in our office who are on the precipice of that, so they're able to. Um, work those programs and computers and things that I've got a bit of an idea, but not that much of an idea. (laughs)
1: Um, If you're tuning in, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Ellen and my co-hosts today are Caitlin, Simone and Talia. And our special guest today is Enza Angelucci. So the next question is, do you ever feel underestimated in your field?
0: I have. Um, I think in... This environment, in the Western environment, it's been predominantly a male um, industry or, and profession. It gets better as you get older. So, um, And it's one of those professions that you're better when you're older.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It takes about 30 years to get to know yourself as an architect and believe in, in um, yourself. It takes a while and that's irrespective of gender. Um, but, yes, I've had clients tell me that, you know, my skill set is only – For residential and in a condescending way, because it's it's a pretty it's a complex building residential, so it shouldn't be a devalued skill set as an architect. So yeah, definitely um, undervalued. Yes, sometimes as a mum, just like really, Mm. you know. um, But it's I think it's um it's they're fleeting moments. And you do have a voice to say, I feel undervalued. And that's the important thing. So if anyone ever makes you feel like that, do stand up for yourself and say, well, these are my, I don't have to explain myself, but these are my values. Absolutely. Um, The architecture industry is a male dominated field. Has the ratio of males to females in architecture changed over the years? Not in Western culture. Um, we were. Oh, I worked in Vietnam. What was interesting in Vietnam on site was there was about 200 workers, 50% male and 50% female, which is very interesting, whereas here you'd have a ratio of less than 1%, um, which is problematic, I think, and, and perhaps one of the concerns. I know that, that that shift is, you know, being strongly changed, but it takes time. It's intergenerational. I don't think it'll happen. I'm not sure if anyone here wants to join the construction industry. Um, but at the moment in construction in Australia, most of the women have that sort of um, managerial midstream. Not many females run large practices. Um, so there's a whole cultural resonance with that that um, I'm very aware of. I'm, you know, I, I don't go... I'm not a sports person, I don't do the blokey things and I don't really know how to talk about football. Um, That shouldn't be a limitation but it's a large sum of money that people spend and they need confidence in their architects and part of that is that personal journey. So most of my clients are females and it's not intentional but a lot of my clients are females.
1: Um, that's all we have time for today thank you to our guest Enza Angelucci. it's been a pleasure talking to you today live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia you have been listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live my name is Ellen and my co-hosts today were Caitlin, Simone and Talia thank you for joining us today we hope you have found the information today useful and until next time have a great day Celebrating female role models across our community, live from Academy of Mary Immaculate in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Be Like Her Live on Academy Live.